God bless you. I'm going to invite you to do something. I know you just sat down. You don't have to get up, but I'm going to invite you to turn around, find at least two people, and just say, man, I'm glad you're here. And not the person that came with you. Go ahead. Find two people. Just say, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. Amen. Amen. Come on. Find somebody. There you go. Just find somebody. Say, I'm glad you're here this morning, man. There you go. How many are happy to be in church this morning? You happy to be in church this morning? Amen. Come on, you could have been at the you could have been at the funeral home. Think about it. You could have been. Look at the person next to you and say, "You could be dead right now." <laughs> That's pretty inspiring, right? All right, today today I, I um I have literally eight minutes left. I have eight minutes to teach. So this is what I'm going to do with you guys. I'm going to lay down a foundation for something that is going to that hopefully you'll be able to take with you and understand something that I, I, I want to try to instill in your heart. I need you to be able to grasp this because what I'm going to teach is something so profound and deep in my personal life that it's really hard. Um, how can I explain it? It's really hard to grab something that means so much to you and give it to somebody else, and the other person may not be able to fully understand it. I'll give you an example. Um, yesterday, um, and I'm not going to fully preach today, but yesterday the, um, we had this uh, young man uh, from our Spanish congregation. He's uh, uh, recovering. He recovered from, from drugs and alcohol, and he recovered some, times ago, some time ago, and he came and he found this church and he found restoration. And um, in the process of restoration, he's, he's ministering to his family and he's trying to change, but he's got this bad temperament. And, and, well, a whole bunch of things went bad in the house. His daughter got upset and left the house and walked out mad, and, and she walked out upset of the house, and, and he, they cussed each other out, and, and, and he was holding back and he was trying to not be flesh-filled, but then he walked out. And this is uh, the, the day in the life of a pastor, all right? And then, and then he walks out, and, and, and he goes out to the street, and she goes out to the street, and then she doesn't come back home that night. They're all worried at home, and they're freaking out because she didn't come back home. Next morning, um, um, they, they, somebody shows up, I guess, to the house. I may be diverting the story a little bit, but, but I want to keep some things ethically correct um, to not share. And they show up with a, with a wallet, and it's the, her, his daughter's wallet, and it's got a, the cell phone in it, an iPhone 6, and it's got money in it, and it's got credit cards in it, and it's just laying all over the street. And they give it to him, and, 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 and they bring it to the house, and they don't know where she is, and they don't know where she's going, and, and, and they start worrying, why would somebody rob her here in Hickory and not take the right, not take the wallet, not take the stuff with them? Why would somebody do something like that? It didn't make any sense so it started they started getting even worse 16 hours went by and she would not show up and then um, um they come to me and we start praying that something that would she show up did she appear and and then they leave and we're working on the building and and about an hour later they walk through the door i see him coming through the door and and i'm i'm on the ladder up in the lobby and i look out and i see him coming in the parking lot and i had prayed for him and i said we're gonna pray that she shows up now now remember is that what you want? He says, yes, I want her to show up. And I said, okay, then I'll pray that she show up. But remember, God's ways aren't always our ways. And he, he comes, and when he's coming, he's crying. And I know what he's about to tell me. And when he walks through the door, he walks through the door, and he's crying. And he says, they found my daughter. And I say, where'd they find her? And they say, they found her in the, over to the side of the road. Her body was dead, laying there. A car had hit her. And, um, 
and had tossed her to the side and they, it was a runaway car and they haven't caught the person yet and now she's she's dead and this next Wednesday we bury her and um, and, and this is where it goes right now I don't see anybody crying here and you're like right pastor why would I cry no that's my point my point is that no matter how sad or intense the story is it's not your daughter when it's your daughter how many parents are in this room raise your hand like 90% of my crown. What if it was your daughter? What is it? What if what's what is it when it how does it feel when it's your so so what I'm trying to say is that it's really hard to portray a personal thing on somebody else that means so much to you because it's not you. Years ago I learned this. You go to a funeral home and there's a saying in Spanish when you go to a funeral home, it says, um, I think they say it in English too, but you go up to a person, you say, um, I, I, I'm feeling for you. You know, and, and in Spanish, the way it's phrased is, 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 lo siento, I feel it. And I hate that, I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase. Because you, you can't feel it. You can't feel it. I, I feel it. You can't, it wasn't, it wasn't your mom that died. It wasn't your son that died. It wasn't, it's, you can't feel it. Pastor, but it's a figure of speech, but it's a bad figure of speech. Because you can't feel it. So it's hard to portray what's in your heart in the heart of somebody else. And what I'm going to teach today is something that's really portrayed in my heart. The only difference is that I do believe that there are people can, that, that can identify with what I'm about to teach. There are people that can identify. If I were to give a title to this sermon, it would be why. That would be the title to this sermon. It would be why. You know, there's this, there's this, there's this thing that we use a lot in this church, and it's called Inspire. And inspire is to make, this is what inspire means. Inspire is to make someone, make someone do something. That's what inspire is. Inspire is to make someone do something. It provokes a change. It's, it's a modification. To inspire is to make someone do something. If I can make, if I'm here, here if I'm here and I do something like this, and I want to inspire you to drink water, and you're sitting there, and I do this, About 50% of you just got grossed out, but 50% of you just said, man, I want water. When you get, when someone makes another person, listen to this, when someone in a higher position or in a better status or in something that you aspire does something, it moves you, that is to be inspired. Really easy. Listen, when someone greater than you does something and it makes you move, then you are inspired. To make someone change, to make someone move, it's a verb, to make a move, that is to inspire. When I think about that, there's this Bible verse in the book of Revelations, chapter 19, verse 16. And in Re Revelations, chapter 19, 16, this is what it says. Um, it's talking about when Jesus takes the throne, and this is what it says. It says, on his robe and on his thigh, and I love that, on his robe, externally, and on his thigh, internally, he has this name written. This is what he has written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Can I get an amen? 
The Bible says that there is one in the end of times that will stand on a throne. And when he stands there, it says that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It says there is nobody greater. There has been nobody greater. And there will be nobody greater than our king of kings and our Lord of lords. Now, to those that are visiting and saying, Pastor, I don't get the big deal. Why are you clapping? Because what it's saying is that there will be a moment where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to be acknowledged by everybody. It says that every knee shall bow. It says that everyone will acknowledge. It says that everyone will worship. It says that everything will acknowledge the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It says that he will take the throne. It says that he will stand in a place. And when that moment comes, I'm going to be there and I'm going to see it when the king of king and the Lord I'm going to see it and it's going to be a grandiose moment for me but here's what I want you to understand that moment has not come yet where every knee will bow and where every knee shall confess him as it's there that moment is not there yet so pastor what are you saying I'm saying that the Bible says that Jesus is king of kings and he will be acknowledged as a king before everybody but I'm not there yet so until that moment happens I just have this bigger inspiration that will move me and that takes me then to why why do I become a pastor why is there a church why do I do this I'm a pastor and I church exists because that moment has not come yet where every knee will bow, where everyone will confess. So until that moment comes, I have to go back to Matthew 27, 27. When Jesus was on earth, the Bible says that the King of King and the Lords of Lords was treated the following way. Listen to this story. This is one of the Bible portions that most touches my life. Matthew 27, 27 says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. A whole company, a company of soldiers was built from 25 to 100. So there's 25 to 100 men that are following Jesus Christ into the praetorium. They're taking him inside their area of gathering. It's their area. And the Bible says they stripped him. In other words, they tore off his clothes. Our king of kings, our lord of lords. They stripped him. They left him naked. And they put a scarlet robe on him. Now, you got to understand that now Jesus is standing there bare naked. Now, you may not feel this because he may not be related to you. But to those that are related and love Jesus, I want you to think about not just the victorious Lord of Lords and King of Kings of Revelations, but I want you to go back to Jesus Christ here on earth, and I want you to see what we did to the King of Kings and the Lord of They stripped him naked in front of 100 people. And then when they stripped him naked... The Bible says that, that they took and they just threw a scarlet robe on him. The scarlet robes were for kings. Nobody used scarlet robes. They threw it on him when he was naked. And they twisted a th- crown of thorns. And they set it on his head. See, he had said he was going to be the king of kings and it was prophesied. So here they are making fun of our king of kings. They put a staff in his right hand. I want you to listen to that. They, they took a crown and a staff, and they put it in his hands. 
It's very personal. It may not mean nothing to you yet. They put a staff in his hand, and they knelt in front of him. (laughs) I await the moment when I go to heaven, and I'm before the throne, and my king stands up, and he says, I am king of kings, lord of lords, and every knee shall bow. But when he was here on earth, they gave him a similar treatment. They stripped him naked. They put a scarlet robe on his shoulder. They gave him a cane and a stick in his hand, and they took a crown, and they put it on his head. And they kneeled before him as they made fun of him and mocked him, the Bible says. Hail, king of the Jews. They spit on him. And took the staff. They took that staff. And they hit him on the head again and again and again. And they had mocked him. Then they took off the robe. And put on his own clothes. They led him away to crucify him. You know, the version in John says that they took the robe and and they threw it over his head. And they, they would kneel down. The action was like this. They would come before him when he was naked, his waist down naked. They could see all his intimate parts. And he stood there. And as a hundred soldiers just came before him, and, and, and they, they took the crown. They stuck it on his head, and he started bleeding. They, 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 just, they took the crown to, to make fun of his kingdom, to make fun of him, to make fun of him being the king. He said he was the king. King of who? King of what? King of where? King of when? And, they, and, and it says that they put the crown on him, and then they gave him the staff of a king, and they, 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 they took that robe, and the version of John says that they threw, the, they threw the, the, the robe over his head, and they would stand up after they spit him. They would give him punches, the Bible says. It's in Scripture. It says they would punch him, and as they would kick him, and a hundred men kicking and punching him, and they would say, tell us, king, tell us, king, who hit you? Come on, you're the king that prophesied. So they made fun of him with a crown and a staff. The king of kings and the Lord. Lord of lords, of revelation that every knee will bow down to, the true ever-loving living God that we're going to encounter sometime in heaven, the one that you are going to see. Now, this may not mean anything to you, but it does to me. This may not startle you or move your heart, but it does to me. This may not make you tremble inside and feel ashamed that they would take. See, see, here's the funny thing. If they took our president, if they took the president of the United States, if they took the president of your country and somebody took him hostage, everybody would be so nervous. We'd be so embarrassed. They took the king of king and lord of lords and they put a crown on his head. They put a staff in his hand and they made fun of him and they told him, where is, it was a, it was a sublime message saying, where is your kingdom? Where are the people? And as I think about that, here, my time's up. As I think about that, there's one thing that comes to my mind. Pastor, and what is it? This is what comes to my mind. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords that will be manifested in heaven as long as I'm alive. I will not wait till heaven. I will stand firm, firm in my position. And what will you do, Pastor? This is what I'll do. Listen. 
I will stop and twist. What? I understand, Pastor. Stop sign. I will stop and twist it and not let them have it their way. And I will take a staff and I will remember the staff and I will remember the crown. And I'll make sure that that crown that they made fun of and that staff that they put in his hand with that crown and I'll create something called iChurch. And it'll be a place where no matter where I go, while I live, there will be somebody who is greater than I who has moved me to be someone that I was not. Someone inspired me at the cross of Calvary. And my inspiration will be based on this. My inspiration will be based on remembering the crown that was placed on his head. The crown that they put on top of his head will remind me to get up every single day of my life and say, when I am down and without energy, I'm speaking to somebody, when my marriage goes through trial or tribulation, when my kids need help, when I need strength to get up, when I need somewhere to go, I have a Lord, all-powerful, mighty God that inspired me, taking the crown and taking the staff. And when the soldiers want to know where his people are, I am his kingdom. And his kingdom is here amongst those that live. So, Pastor, what are you saying? What I am saying is the crown and the crown and the staff are inspirations for me to remember that he already suffered, that he already went through what he had to go through, so I didn't have to. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I am saying that at the end of times, like today, God is looking for a generation of people like you and like I that identify with the hurting Christ that was beaten and that was spit on, but that refused to walk like the rest that we stop and we turn around and what do you do pastor we inspire people and help people break bondage for his glory can i get an amen inside this room for his glory for his glory for his glory so 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 as you stand because this may mean something to you don't sit don't sit don't sit i'm done i'm done stay right there where you are stay right there listen so, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that we stop as a church. Pastor, why, do, why does iChurch exist? We aren't playing games. We exist. We exist for one reason. Listen, this is why we exist. We exist to inspire people, help people, break bondage for his glory. And I don't care what's done in this organization. I don't care what's done across the board. I don't care where you're serving, where you're not serving. If you're visiting for the first time, listen, you know why you're here? I'm going to tell you why you're here. I'm going to tell you. You want to know why you're here? Old people, new people, young people, old people, everybody. Listen, you want to know why you're here? You're here because you woke up one day and you said, what I have is not sufficient. I want a deeper relationship with God. He's bigger. He's better than what I'm living. And I want that. I can't explain it. But deep down inside, there's something more I need. And that's why you're here. If 
you're here to meet me, stop meeting me. If you're here to know more about me, stop it. Because the more you know about me, the less you're going to like about me. Don't worry about me. There's only one person you need to know, and it's for his glory. And it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we do I church. That's why we do church. That is why we do church. So wherever you are at this point in your life, my question to you is the following. They asked him. They mocked him and they made fun of him and they said, where is your kingdom? I have an answer. His kingdom is right here, right now, in this church, right now, as we worship and as we are. They asked where we are. Here I am. Here I am. I'm still standing. There will be a moment that every knee shall bow down and worship God. But until that moment comes, I will stand. Not every knee will bow down. Not everybody will worship. Not everybody will have an intense relationship with God. Not everybody will desire more. But as far as me and my house, we shall serve the Lord and live for God. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you feel what I'm saying? Do you want what I'm saying? Then bow your heads. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Let me pray for you.